Hello and welcome to The Distance Diaries, a long-distance relationship podcast where we chat about topics that come up on our everyday conversations, from politics to popular culture. I am Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. And my name is Fraser and I'm from London. What have you been up to this week, Fraser, or for the past couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded and yeah, it's been pretty busy, so been enjoying some time well actually not that much time outdoors it's actually been a bit too warm so Mm. although one thing I did do which was quite nice is the other week I had breakfast outside before work um, which is really good because you don't really get to do that in Britain did you do that in your flat or at your parents house uh, no, I did it just near the office before work. Oh, okay. I, I was yeah. very confused because you don't have a terrace or anything. No, I don't, don't, definitely don't have a terrace at my flat. So, uh, yeah, that's no good. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's such a nice thing, especially if you're British. It just makes you think of being on holiday. So, uh, yes, need to try and do that again during the summer. Um, and, yeah, normally, normally pretty difficult. Also went bowling, which is another thing that I never do. And ironically, we arranged to go um, with with some friends. Uh, we arranged to go because we thought the weather was going to be bad. So we were like, great, we'll book it, four of us, let's go bowling. And then it was actually really sunny anyway on that day. Um, but it was still fun. And we went outside after. And um, in the spirit of going outside, also been out running a few times, which has been good. And yeah, one other thing I did, which was pretty cool, was I went to a gig at the Old Blue Last in Shoreditch, which is a pub that I can't believe, I maybe I've been there for a drink once, but I definitely haven't been there for a gig, even though there's tons of performances and stuff that happen there. Yeah. Um, And went and saw three bands. One was called On, the first were called On Video. They're really small. They look good. They look really young and up and coming. Then a Scottish band called Vistas, who I like. They were really good. And then finally, the main attraction was Spectre, who've been around for 10 years, really. What? Yeah, I was looking up when their first music came out. It came out back in 2011 or earlier even. So I didn't know it had been that long. I've liked them since they, since they came out. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, they've been together for a really long time. And it was nice for them because it's kind of, I think, a local gig for them playing in Shoreditch in mm. a tiny, tiny venue with a lot of Well, very, they're very actually based fans. south of... Are, are they based south now? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, because it used well, when to be I, When I saw... met Fred McPherson, who's the main guy who told me they were moving south... <laughs> And you once saw him in Shoreditch as well. That's what made me think. Oh yeah, of, I saw him uh, walking in Shoreditch, but, yeah. but he he lived in Old Street and then he moved. Yes. Well, that's what he told me. I, I don't stalk him. I swear to God. That's no, what he's he told got me. he's got connections to to London and Shoreditch, which is nice. And yeah, they loved it. They was having a great time. It was a free gig, but the fans there were super passionate, I guess. And it's funny to think of kind of an indie outfit that aren't indie rock, but that have that kind of dedication i suppose and that yeah. rowdiness about when their fans they have very so they good. have songs that are very good to sing as well at gigs so they're, yeah. they're very good to see in small venues yeah an intimate thing and they are doing a tour in the autumn i think so maybe you can go and see them at a bit of a bigger bigger thing but they were great anyway what about you what have you been been doing lately so i started couch to 5k which is uh, it's the NHS app, but obviously I don't have the NHS app because I'm in Mexico. Uh, there's now <laughs> lots of apps that that do it, so I've got one of yep. the one of the free ones, and 
yeah, it, it keeps telling me to to buy to buy its version, but I kind of just needed to tell me start running or start walking. So I I haven't I don't have all so, the stats or anything, but I've been doing. So that. you're saying that it's kind of a better, it's a good way to start because it ramps you up over time. Well, yeah, I think so. I've only done one week, so I don't know. I, you I, you do three runs a week. I don't know if it's the same with every app, but I've been doing three runs a week. And on the three runs, you do the same thing, which is a week sort of exercise. And then it keeps upping its level. Um, yeah. So you start running a bit more and walking a bit less, uh, things like that. I don't know how many weeks it, it is. I think it's eight weeks. So, yeah, I've been doing that. Yeah, it's like eight or nine weeks, isn't it? If you don't really like exercising i think it's a good thing to do because i i really don't like exercising and i definitely i always said that my least favorite exercise was running but i haven't i haven't absolutely hated it so i think that's good <laughs> that's a success after three times in one week exactly not, <laughs> and i, I did do it on the days that i said i would do it um so yeah it's it's good I also had dinner at my sister's place and we all made vegan pizza, which was fun. It wasn't too bad. I, ha- I had vegan parmesan cheese and everything and it was nice. <laughs> yeah, what have you been enjoying? Yeah, so there's a band that I um, have been listening to for a while, but then their album came out one week ago, uh, which is Idear, I-D-E-R, Idear. I dare, don't know. Gonna have to check that out. Gonna be a whole um, bonnie of everything, isn't it? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Megan and Lily, that's who it is. Okay. Um, they make up I D E R I dare. Uh, their album called Emotional Education came out the other week. The Guardian said it's full of good melodies and millennial anxiety, which kind of sums it up, I think. Um, so yeah, the opening track mirror is like a self-reflective piece about the good and bad of all people. It's sort of like an anthemic pop song about how people make mistakes. It's kind of... I yeah, think that's my favourite one. one. Also, yeah. relevant to our topic today, which we'll talk about later. Yes, it is, <laughs> it is. Uh, then also the other track that's, that's I think, uh, that one's been out for a while, but then the newer track is Saddest Generation, the clues in the name of that one it's uh yeah it's pretty pretty deep um definitely one for fans of all the usual all the usual bands that i <laughs> recommend uh the 1975 who else who else you've listened to them i don't know maybe maybe billy eilish if you're into her kind of electronic pop you know that that sort of thing just a good good pop album overall what about you? Uh, speaking speaking of music, and if you like the 1975, they just put a new track out, which is interesting. So yes. is the first single that they put out from their new album, and it's called the 1975. Uh, they always have a track called the 1975, but it's normally different to this one. So this one is a collaboration with Greta Thunberg. What? And it's a speech... <laughs> you knew yeah, no, it's just like <laughs> such an odd thing to hear yeah it's a collaboration with uh a girl who uh you know talks about climate change with an activist it's just what so yeah it's it's a speech about climate change and yes i think the reason i liked it is i think greta thunberg keeps from being 
like a massive fatalist and I think I like that she I love the song is her talking about we can still do this we can still th- turn this around it's in our hands and stuff like that which I like I um, mean are you calling it a song it's a speech oh, are we calling are we counting this as a single I don't know I'm torn about it as in I like the the point of it I'm just wondering is does it count I mean I guess if you count things like the man who married a robot, then you have to count this but one. But that's a song. Yeah, but this one has a track that's... below it as well. It's the same as the man who married a robot. Kind of. We're now having a 1975 mm. chat, which people don't... Yeah, anyway, you can, yeah, you can find it on, on Spotify yeah. and Apple You Music. can also find the man who married a robot as well, if you want to join in on our discussion. Yeah, I don't, I don't count that one either. Okay. Yeah, I don't count that one either. That's the one that we're, that's read by Siri. Yeah. Anyway... Apart from that, I enjoyed... I finished a book that I started a year ago and then I didn't continue. So that is a huge achievement. I finished The Hero of Ages by Brandon Sanderson. So it's about 700 pages, a little bit over 700 pages, which is probably why I didn't finish it. I think I was a bit intimidated by it when, but like last year. But I finished it. Uh, I love that series. So it's, a, it's the last book of the original trilogy of the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson which is one of his sort of bigger worlds that he's created. If you like things like Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, is that type of thing. It's, it's high fantasy. It's about a world where the bad guy won. And now we are following a rebellion against this sort of dark lord, not a Harry Potter reference. And because <laughs> people are always like, oh, so it's not Harry Potter. It's nothing like Harry Potter. Um, but yeah. Well, these books sound the same to people when you say the dark. Lord. Yeah, but it's not. It's, it has people not. It, it does not. If you like Harry Potter, it doesn't mean you're going to like this. So, no. uh, whereas if you like Lord of the Rings, probably will. But yeah, so I I I love I love the series. It's probably probably my favorite fantasy series that I've ever read. So I do recommend it if you if you're into your fantasy. It will probably be a film at one point or a show. So, yeah. I also watched The Lion King. I I liked it. It's it's different. I mean, it's not really different. It's different because, you know, you're seeing it with sort of almost real-life lions. I know it's not real-life lions, but uh, it's, it's a joy to watch something so well-made, in my opinion. Right. Uh, some of the songs do change. I think people didn't weren't fans of that. But yeah, I I personally enjoyed it and I think it's good. And yeah, I like Beyonce. I like Donald Glover. People know him as Childish Gambino more, but I like him because he's a really good actor and also he sings really well. So it was good to hear Mm. him do the renditions of the songs. So yeah, I I actually enjoyed it. I've also been watching Queer Eye Season 4, which is just out on Netflix. I've talked about Queer Eye on the podcast before. It's great. So if you don't know what it is, just where where have you been living and just Google it. But yeah, you should watch it. It's great. I also watched on Netflix When They See Us, which is a series by Eva DuVernay. And it's about the Central Park Five case, which is this five black kids in New York in 1989 who were arrested for the rape of a woman in Central Park and they didn't commit it, and they were sentenced to, I think, 13 years in prison when they were just 13, 14, 15 years old. So it's quite traumatising to watch, especially the first episode. I found very 
difficult to get through. Uh, at one point during the first episode, I paused it and I was like, I don't know if I can finish this. Wow. So it's it's hard to watch, but it's very, very good. It's got amazing performances. It was nominated for a ton of Emmys. So I think it is worth it to watch it. And on that note, I have also been reading Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge, which I think was a huge book in the UK a couple of years ago. Yes. Yeah, so it talks about race and the history of racism in the UK because normally we hear about the American history of it. Uh, so it's been very interesting, honestly, talking about a lot of things that I didn't know about personally living in Mexico. And is it it's really good at explaining systematic racism, white privilege, things like that. I'm halfway through it currently, so maybe I'll talk about it again when I finish it. But so far, I think it's an important book to read, especially for white people to read. So, yeah, enjoying that. I I went to the cinema as well, and I watched a, Apollo 11, which is a documentary about the Apollo 11 mission. Uh it won Best Editing at Sundance this year, which is definitely deserved. I thought, while I was watching it, I thought the editing was an incredible job. It's the same, the director edited it as well. And it's basically archive footage on the Apollo 11 mission. You don't get, There's no interviews, nothing like that. Just archive footage um, being shown to you chronologically of the mission, from the control room, from the actual ship. Um, from the moon, it's. It, I found it super, super interesting. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the explanations in it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it. It's That's a awesome. crazy editing job because this guy must have seen so many videos and had to choose the best ones and order them and put them together. It's very impressive. So yeah, really enjoyed that. And finally, I read a New Yorker article. Uh, titled Just How Crazy Is Boris Johnson, which was posted after he, he won the race to become the new Prime Minister of the UK. And I thought it was I thought it was a quite comprehensive article. It was written by Sam Knight. It's very short. Fraser tweeted an article that was actually quite good, but it's it is very long, so you have to dedicate dedicate a bit to read that. Yeah, one. that one uh, you could probably find it, it's on the Atlantic. Yeah, so that one's a good a very long but quite good article on Boris Johnson. Very detailed. This one is is shorter. And yeah, I think it it can be summed up in saying that Boris Johnson is not as crazy as everyone makes him sound. Is not he's not really comparable to Donald Trump. The thing is that he can be quite unserious and quite unprincipled according to the article. So you don't know how much he would maintain his positions under meaningful duress, is what the article puts it as. So yeah. I thought it was interesting. Time will tell. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to understand Boris Johnson outside of the tweets that you see. Because I've had a lot of tweets are like, oh, he hates gay people and he hates women. And I know that I... Probably not. Probably not a good uh, way to get your information. Yeah, I, I don't think that's true. But, <laughs> good. But, but according to most of the articles I've read that actually comprehensively talk about what Boris Johnson has done in his, in his career. But that yeah. doesn't mean I'm a massive fan of his. I just... No, yeah. we'll have to see how it goes over the next... Well, <laughs> I was going to say next few years, but that's uh, un- unknown yeah. how long... It's all going to go on for. Also, the article does say that it is 
it's going to be interesting to see him in the sense that we've seen him be mayor of London and things like that, but we've never seen him in a position that is where his decision-making is so important. And historically, he's not been known to make a lot of decisions in his politics. Or good decisions. Yeah, he's made a lot of... Questionable decisions. Yeah, so, yeah probably. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like the best... The time when he's been at his best, in my opinion, is when he was mayor of London and was just going around rallying people up ahead of the Olympics and stuff like that. And when, from his perspective, when he was on the Vote Leave campaign, he was going out and making all these kind of speeches and stuff like that and rallying people and getting people excited. And so, yeah, it's it's a case of, is his actual leadership decision-making going to be up to the job rather than sort of things where he's just a public figure who waves and does, you know, relatively good speeches. Yeah, yeah so we, we'll have to see. The future of Britain is in question at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Stay tuned <laughs> to find out how it goes. If you're interested in a Boris Johnson episode, we could do one. Let us know. We could do <laughs> There's actually, I mean, from these articles, there are some crazy stories. Even from his childhood. Can be, can be told. But yeah. yeah, exactly. Anyway, maybe, maybe it is a future yeah. episode. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Should we move on to our topic? Yes, so we were inspired actually a couple of weeks ago by something that's somewhat ubiquitous in both of our lives, I guess, to some extent which is the company Amazon. Um, And more specifically, we were looking at Amazon Prime Day, which took place, um, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, I think now. Um, And basically, a record number of shoppers uh, this year purchased more than 175 million items on a two-day Amazon Prime Day. I don't know how Amazon Prime Day is now, Amazon Prime Two Days. Anyway, it was, you know, it was all over social media. Everyone was talking about it at work. People were like, yeah, are you going to get something? I don't have any money at the moment to buy electronics and random things. So I didn't get involved. But it got us thinking, all of this fanfare. Oh, and for anyone who doesn't know, Amazon Prime Day is just a couple of days where you get money off on Amazon. On a few things. On, 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 on you know, more than a few yeah. things. But a selection of items i think and, and do you have to be a prime member yeah you Maybe. have to be a prime member right so that's what it is but it made us think what you know is amazon is shopping from amazon ethical i guess that's the big question and we because we do have our answer we we already have the answer but, but we're, we're going to talk about it first we're going to talk things talk things through yeah and and why you know you might be like well it's just a yeah you know, it's an e-commerce business why isn't it ethical some of the things that spring to mind, not paying tax. They they barely pay any tax in the US. They barely pay any tax in the UK. They have a really the bad record The tax avoidance tactics are actually very smart, but terrible. Very smart, but terrible. There's the treatment of workers. There's the fact that, on a maybe to a lesser extent, that they take away business from the high street, which does pay tax and that, you know, is a good thing. And... Just all kinds of other things about anti-competitive practices and stuff like that. Mm. But yeah, these things kind of come to mind. What we were going to talk about, first of all, was what it's like to work at Amazon. Yeah, there's a lot of information on this on on the web. So 
I think we both found quite a lot about this and there's a lot to talk about. So most of our focus is going to go here. And basically Amazon is such a big company that people's experiences depend on their teams and where they're based. So it depends on which state they're in, in the US, in Mexico or which country they're in. It depends on their their, their boss. There's so many managers at Amazon because of the the size of the company that it depends on who your manager is. Some people are like, oh yeah, it's great because everyone's super creative and I get to work from home every day, but that's not everyone. They probably don't work in a warehouse, I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I think what we did find is that all of the warehouse workers find find it quite bad in terms of people who work in the offices is sort of, it's more blurred who thinks it's bad, yeah. who thinks it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, I, yeah, I would say from the office perspective, it sounds like any other big company, as in there's good and there's some, some bad. It sounds like a, a big startup company, though. Mm. Because they, they do have, choose your own hours, work from home, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people say that you work too much, even if you are, it's, right. like, it's kind of like Google, you know, where you, you have all the benefits, but you also end up living there. Or or right. working work being your life, uh, and an account executive who worked at Amazon said in eighteen sixty three Lincoln freed the slaves, and in nineteen ninety five Jeff Bezos found a loophole about working <laughs> at their offices. <laughs> so you know that some people find it great, some people find it so they good. they equate it to slavery. So I don't know what that. And that's the people that are lucky and work in an office. Yeah. So let's talk about working at a warehouse in Amazon, which is where it gets really bad. Yeah. So maybe I'll go first on this one. So okay. one of the best articles that I've read about this, maybe we can post the link in the show notes because it is really good. Anyway, it's, a, it. it's on yep. Medium and it's an article by a chap who worked in a warehouse for Amazon somewhere in the US, I think. Basically, he was doing 10 hours, 10 hour shifts of fundamentally easy work, like scanning barcodes on boxes and just putting them to one side. Just really simple stuff. Um, and although in he and so this is something you might talk about, although there are some challenges for some Amazon workers with high temperatures or risk of physical injury, he actually found that the worst part was just that it's mind-numbingly dull. Mm-hmm. And that it's a mental challenge to just move a box from one spot, scan it, and then put it in the next spot. Um, and it's just endless boxes of orders that need your full concentration, that never stop coming, that come at an even pace all the time. And apparently on the little screens that workers have, some workers will stick stickers over the time so they can't see how how long much of their there. shift. They, yeah, so they don't know how long they've been there. They don't know how long it is to go. And they just try to just completely zone out. And what's crazy as well is that this easy work is all being measured. So there's no there's no, there's no, no performance incentives for doing it. There's no anything. You just have to hit the minimum standards and the flow doesn't stop coming. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it, I, 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 th- I saw a few workers that referred to it as it feels like we're just working until they can figure out what machine can do what we're doing. Right, exactly, exactly. And this is, I wanna, I'm going to actually read a full paragraph of what 
a a guy said in a YouTube video that was entitled My Experience Working at Amazon Week One. And okay. Yeah, so what he says is, you're not allowed to bring your phone into the facility because they're afraid of stealing. You're also not allowed to bring electronics so you can't listen to music. Apparently, it's a safety, ha- safety hazard. You also can't sit on the floor while you're st- stowing stuff away. There are shelves that are very low and bending down to put items in the lower bins is very strenuous on my knees and on my back. They're supposed to have knee pads for us eventually, so that'll be nice to be able to not screw up my knees. Kneeling down on concrete is not good for your knees. Not being able to listen to music is a big issue for me. You're mostly working alone for 10 hours. It's very monotonous, it's very repetitive, it's a little bit soul-crushing. On his, wow. my experience working at Amazon week two, he quit, unsurprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> so. so the one week was kind of his whole experience. Yeah. That was that was the summary. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, uh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad. And actually what it made me um, think of was sort of more broadly, like the quote you gave earlier about being replaced by robots. Mm -hmm. It makes you think about what is the future existence of people in manual labor doing these jobs. There's a lot of people that are worried about it because unemployment rates are going to go higher, obviously. Yeah, there's that. But there's also, will we be doing... So there's there's two things, right? Will we be doing the good jobs or the bad jobs? So Amazon was in the news last year, I think it was, for uh, a patent for a... Effectively like a milk float, so an electronic little vehicle to drive around a warehouse. And it basically had this vehicle that had a cage above where the person sits that Uh you could venture in to warehouses that are entirely filled with robots. And so if robots sort of were dropping stuff or hitting stuff, it would just bounce off the cage and you would put like a tiny worker in this cage thing. So let's say there was a a minor problem with one of the robots in a fully automated warehouse and a person had to go in to fix that they would go in in a sort of self-driving milk float that had a cage around it it's like swimming with sharks (laughs) it is it's it's crazy so you're going into a facility full of robots and you have to be protected from it and it made the news and there were all kinds of parodies of it with sort of sad little gnome people sitting in cages whilst robots have loads of fun and all this kind of scary stuff. But yeah, it makes you think, you know, there's going to be these warehouses that are just full of smart machines that do basic work that humans once did, but for 24 hours a day rather than 10 hours a day with no mistakes. And then there's also kind of artificial intelligence. So can Amazon and other similar companies automate kind of the decision-making process about what products they want to stock, how much to charge, etc.? And it makes you wonder, you know, will humans be doing the kind of tiny rubbish jobs to just fill in or what fix robots, can't robots do, yeah. that have fallen over and put them back up? Or will we be doing kind of good jobs that, use people's emotional skills or other skills which I are reckon, further down um, the line. Creativity can't be matched by a machine. Not like yet. An Amazon advert probably can't be made by a machine. It's getting it's getting there. It's getting there. But yeah, I know I, I hope that's our future, not sitting in cages to protect ourselves Fixing. from robots. <laughs> we'll have to do we'll have to make a change if that does happen. 
I thought for a second you were going to say, yeah, we'll do an episode when that happens and let you know how it turned <laughs> oh, out. No. I thought that's what you were about to say. I don't know why. Hopefully, if that happens, we're not still alive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you know how it turns out next week. Yeah. Um, I, read, I, I read more articles that had more extreme views. They almost remind me of 1984, making Amazon look like Big Brother. Uh, on right. an article in The Nation, dated December last year, it honestly sounded like a rebellion. Like, it made it sound like workers felt like they didn't have time for a rebellion because of all they had to do. So, <laughs> um, Wait, hang on. Isn't that the point of a rebellion? Is yeah. That <laughs> you have too much to do, so um, you have a Yeah, rebellion. so you have to... No, but what they said was, it talked about a specific woman working in an Amazon warehouse, saying the fact that she barely gets any sleep makes all thoughts of her and her co-workers banding together in protest completely. They go out of her mind because she does it. She she gets home, she has to take care of her kid and then go back to work. That's it. That's her life. Yeah. She, she doesn't have time to rebel. It was basically what yeah. we're saying. Uh, the article also quoted Marx quite a lot and talked about... <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 I felt like I was reading a George Orwell book while I was reading this right. article. But that doesn't mean that working in warehouses isn't really bad. Um, it's just you can find very extreme views on both ends, which is interesting. Um, I also found an article in the Daily Beast, which is very alarming. Uh, it said, it, this is in the US, 189 calls were made from 46 sites, raising new questions about working conditions. One ex-employee said breakdowns are a regular occurrence at Amazon. So these are 189 calls made to 911. Uh, the article wow. had quite a few quotes of these calls, like recording transcripts. Mm. And it was things like, help my employee's about to kill himself, and I need someone to come. 189. Yeah. It's insane. Like, yeah, how bad I, does it have to be? Yeah, I think another quote that you found from one of the, the, the previous articles was, the faceless immensity of Amazon. Yeah. Because that's what it is. If you're a worker, you're just, you're so tiny. Who do you in complain the to? Of it. Yeah, there's just yeah, you're just irrelevant basically in terms of Yeah, that's of what it was because I feel like maybe if you work in marketing on Amazon, you think, Oh, what I do goes out to their Instagram or something. So you yeah. feel like you're you matter. If you're working at a warehouse, you feel like a machine. Yeah. So bad. So I guess all of this leads us on to the the question that we mentioned at the start. So is it ethical to shop at Amazon in the context of this kind of grim picture of working there? And yeah, it also makes us question why do we still buy things from Amazon? You know, if yeah. it is so bad or... And I guess the obvious answer is that it's really convenient and it's almost ubiquitous as a company. You know, whether it's from Amazon Prime Video to the technology side of the business, which I haven't talked about, Amazon Web Services, as well as the kind of huge commerce side, it's impossible not to. to That's be something I almost. hadn't thought about. If you Amazon Prime Video, I love using Amazon Prime Video because <laughs> it's got some great shows, but you're still supporting, even if you're not buying from it, you're still supporting a company that does this. Yeah, and I mean, there's the thing, the other things we mentioned about tax avoidance and and sort of other bad practices. So yeah, they do. They have terrible practices on competition as well. 
Yeah, and they've done all kinds of things that they've been sort of called out for. I guess the thing that that I always think, and it's, it's, I find it really hard not to do this, when I'm saying is something ethical, is to compare it to, to other things. So the obvious things that came to mind were, uh, I wrote down three examples. I wrote down Uber, I wrote down Apple, and I wrote down Tesco, which mm. is obviously big, I think the single biggest supermarket in the UK. So with Uber, I'm an Uber customer. You know, I'm not a, a super regular user, but I'm a big, big customer. And, I feel bad you know, every I've, time I have to use Uber. Yeah, and I've bought shares in Uber as well. So um, it's not Whatever. it's not good, is it? Whatever. But, you know, they are <laughs> fundamentally, they have so many bad practices and they do so many bad things. They don't treat their workers well. They cover things up. They They flouted the law. You know, they've done things that over the course of Amazon's history have are very similar in my opinion, really. Yeah. And they obviously do the same things on tax as well. So why why do we accept these things? You know, why do we still do it? Is it because we just don't care about the fact that it is we care we, we know it's not ethical, we know it's not morally right, but we don't care enough to make a change. Or is it just because we're selfish and we think, oh, it doesn't really affect me. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Is that one of the reasons? I honestly don't know. I think it's partly both. And I also, my stance on it is that we all have certain, excuse the word, fucks to give. (laughs) We can't care about absolutely everything. And I think people, when they care about, like say you avidly care about the environment and you do everything you can to not produce any waste you have very little fucks to give to amazon because you can't care about you can't take on everything that's wrong in the world it's too tiring and i think that that is something that is something that happens so in the same way that some people only buy organic tomatoes they buy on amazon because they can't care about about both things at once i think we have a very yeah. limited number of cares that we can give in 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 our life and maybe that is selfish yeah or maybe it's mean. too difficult i know what you mean i guess i suppose you can tackle individual things by collective action yeah so for example with uber lots of people saying they're not going to use uber anymore has resulted in things changing in that company. Yeah. But it takes a lot of people to do that. And I feel that the Amazon Prime Day thing did get a lot of coverage this year about why you shouldn't do it and their workers went on strike and things like that. Um, but it just hasn't reached that kind of tipping point, I guess. Amazon actually last year had to raise their minimum wage because of all the scandals from the warehouses. Right. So... But what I do think is with Uber and Amazon and these massive companies is that their system is so intrinsically rotten that no matter, <laughs> no matter, it doesn't matter if they raise their minimum wage. Do you know, like, really, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter if Uber had to make one change. They still aren't accountable for their drivers. Mm. So Yeah, it, I know what you mean. It's like fundamental built into, well, maybe the culture, but also kind of the business model. Yeah, and also fundamentally... Clearly, the board doesn't care. The only reason why they're going to change it is because people will stop buying from them. But if they don't care themselves, other things are going to be wrong. Yeah. 
So I think that yeah. well, that's quite fatalistic, isn't it? That's I, pretty. That is, yeah. I mean, it's pretty bad. I think we can change certain things in the in the same way that people complaining manage to change the minimum wage. But I think that it takes massive collective action to do that, which is not impossible. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'm quite excited about, and I actually saw a talk on this a few months ago, is the concept of B corporations, which Mm -hmm. are an international movement to create companies that balance purpose and profit. That's the sort of description. So they're legally required in order to legally register as this type of business to consider the impact of their decisions on workers, customers, suppliers, community and the environment. So it's a commitment as a founder of that kind of business that you are going to consider the impact of your decisions on everyone. So when you form a normal company, you're required to consider the impact on your shareholders of any decision you make. You're not allowed to act basically against the interests of the people that mm. um, own that company. But yeah, I'm, that's something I'm really excited about. So there's a few kind of household names in the UK that have signed up to it, like uh, Bulb, the energy company, um, Abel and Cole, who are a food company, and basically a ton of others. But there's a few kind of new age businesses that are the founders of this are taking that commitment. And I know that I that's something that I believe quite passionately in, that when I do another company in the future, I'm going to start that kind of business because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of thing that gives me a bit of hope is that people want to shop, people want to partner with these kinds of businesses. Yeah, you want to do the right thing. With Amazon. And yeah. I also think something that's important is that if even if we can't all care about everything you you just need enough people to care about something so yeah we've seen it a lot oh, in that's, the... that's a quote that. <laughs> we've seen it a lot in the beauty industry where enough people start researching cruelty-free brands that a lot of brands have had to go cruelty-free because they were losing yeah. customers it's same with H&M, enough people start researching into their ethical practices that they had to create an ethical shopping department wow. to, to handle uh, the factories and stuff like that. So you just need enough people caring, which is, 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 is doable, is possible. And to, to sort of finish with that, I would like, me and Rosie had a little discussion before starting the episode about ethical consumption and how much are you a bad person if you buy from Amazon (laughs) are you a bad person if you if you use uber or if you bought a tomato on the supermarket so i'm going to leave you with a, a clip from the good place which discusses exactly that moral dilemma uh speaking of which really recommend the good place they post things like this all the time even though it is a comedy show So, here you go. I once stood in front of you and said I thought there was something wrong with the point system. I finally know what it is. Life now is so complicated. It's impossible for anyone to be good enough for the good place. I know you don't like to learn too much about life on Earth to remain impartial, but these days just buying a tomato at a grocery store means that you are unwittingly supporting Toxic pesticides, exploiting labor, contributing to global warming. Humans think that they're making one choice, but they're actually making dozens of choices they don't even know they're making. 
Your big revelation is life is complicated? That's not a revelation. That's a divorced woman's throw pillow. I mean, this guy chose this tomato. Those are the consequences. You don't want the consequences? Do the research. Buy another tomato. What else you got? Yeah, so there it was. I think that finishes our discussion. Hopefully that's some food for thought. And yeah, we're all buzzing for the next Amazon Prime Day next year. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say we're I all mean, buzzing. Wait. I thought you were gonna say we're all buzzing for the next good play season, which we are. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that must be happening soon. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We were coming come to the end of the show. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can get us on our email, which is the distance diaries podcast at gmail.com that's the first time phrase says it yeah that's our email yep it's good learn the email after a year and <laughs> you can contact me on instagram or twitter at fraser d bell and i'm on both of those social media platforms at as at underscore natalia albin Great. Final thank you for listening and please leave us a review on uh, apple Podcasts as yeah, well. yeah and rate awesome. us please bye, bye. Are we going to say anything else? I do. <laughs> are we going to say anything else or are we done? No, I think we're done.